Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, these are God's words. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. We can see that God has loved us because he has made us righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And we know by the love of God that the Holy Spirit is communicating to us that this love desired and designed not just to make us right with God, to take away our sin and our guilt, so that we would uh, have a right standing with God and be declared righteous before God, but that that was just the beginning, that the design of the love of God that the Spirit has now uh, shed abroad in our hearts so that it would control every thought, the design of that love was to bring us into the glory of God, into the enjoyment of the glory of God that this is what God has designed and determined and predestined, that we would be conformed to the image of the Son, that we might uh, enter into the fellowship and joy of God himself. Now, we do now have uh, a little bit of uh, grace by which we stand. We have access by faith into grace by which we stand. So we have strength that is only in Christ. We have a little bit of joy. We have a little bit of hope. We have a little bit of endurance. We have a little bit of proven character. Um, the believer has been brought into uh, a little bit of uh, all of these things uh, that are these deposits, the, the earnest money uh, of the fullness that we will have when the Lord has completed his work in us. But that is not how we begin. We begin without strength at all, without any righteousness or goodness at all, completely unlovable. So completely unable, completely unrighteous, and completely unlovable. This is the condition of the one whom God saves which is wonderful news, because the more you know yourself, as the word of God comes and the Spirit uh, removes the veil from your heart, and you start to see things rightly, uh, and dreadfully, one of the first things you start to see rightly is yourself. And you say, I am an, unable, I am without strength, and I am unrighteous, I am without goodness, and I am unlovable. I have taken all that was good about me, and I have marred it and disfigured it and made it ugly and filthy. And we feel ugly and we feel filthy and we're not wrong. And that's dreadful. And then God comes by his spirit in Romans 5 verses 6 through 8. And he says, but this is exactly the sort of person that God saves in Jesus Christ. This is exactly the sort of person that Jesus Christ saves. We are without strength even to love or obey or seek God. We've uh, seen those things uh, already in Romans chapter 3. 
um, and before. Uh, but uh, when we were without strength for those things, then we were certainly without strength to atone for ourselves. We're, we're not even without. We didn't even have uh, any strength or righteousness uh, to do any good thing to begin with. How can we do a thing that is so good uh, that it could? not only be meritorious in itself and make but make up for what we had done before it's impossible but in the gospel the strength of Christ is demonstrated so when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly he is god in isaiah who looks to the left and looks to the right and sees that there is none to save and he is like an unleashed warrior in his great might. If there is none who can atone for them, if there is none who can die for them, they do not even have strength to die rightly for themselves, of course, which we couldn't do, then Christ will be the one who dies. He has strength to die. Now this sounds counterintuitive. This is one of the great truths of the gospel that Christ demonstrates his authority and his power by laying down his life and by taking it up again. You remember, that right before he died, he's being crucified, and right before he dies, he cries out with a loud voice. And what does that show? That shows that he still has in his lungs the ability to fill them with air, and he still has in his mind and his body, the ability to cry out with a loud voice. He's not going out with a whimper. No, he dismisses his spirit with authority. He uses that word, Father, into thy hands. Some, some translations say commit. Some say dismiss. It's right. He dismisses his spirit. He sends his spirit away, just like he said he would. In John 10, he says, no one takes my life from me. I have authority to lay it down. He died by his strength. He gave himself up actively for us. And so in the gospel, we have the demonstration of his strength, because we are without strength, just as the apostle said in his big thesis statement in verse 16 of chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, and Christ is that God. So as a demonstration of Christ's strength, the gospel is good news of God's power. It's also a demonstration of Christ's righteousness and goodness. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Of course, there are no righteous men. There is only God. There is only Christ. And, uh, even believers are uh, only brought by faith and by the grace of Christ himself, even to die for Jesus. We believers, we Think about and hear about and read about those whom the Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, sustained by his grace, to be faithful witnesses and die, faithful martyrs, like this Antipas uh, that we were hearing about in the letter to Pergamus and uh, Dr. Beakey's sermon that we listened to last night. Uh, and we say, wow, he died for Christ. But none of us have righteousness in ourselves to do that. None of us have goodness in ourselves to do that. Uh, verse 7 is showing us that we're not just uh, unable 
we're unrighteous. But Jesus isn't just strong, he is righteous and he is good. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. For the kind of man who does good, for the kind of man who is um, uh, who is important and needful to others because of all the good uh, that he does for them and providing for them and defending them, helping them, uh, and all the potential, the, the one who thinks nobly is, is uh, willing to die perhaps for that. You see this in, in many different, even godless societies. You know, the, the kamikazes, those poor, um, benighted in darkness and in sin, um, uh, Japanese, who thinking that they're uh, facilitating the good that the rest of their society will be able to do, were willing uh, to suicide themselves to have an effect. And there is, in a pragmatic sense, the idea... Well, if the other one is going to do more good than I am, then I might as well die for him. The fact of the matter is, none of us are actually good. Only Christ is good. But here is the marvel in verse 7. It's the one who is righteous and the one who is good who died for the unrighteous, who died for the bad. Not because we were worthy of it. And not because... By his dying, we might be more productive in his place than he would have been. But as the one who finally in the third place is full of love. And so that in the gospel you have the demonstration of Christ's strength, you have the demonstration of Christ's righteousness and goodness. Only because he was the righteous one could his death actually do any good. He is the righteous one. He is the good one. And he died for us who are unrighteous and who are evil, who are bad. In the last place, the gospel is a demonstration of Christ's love. We're completely unlovely, ugly, filthy, having disfigured the image of God in ourselves. It is right to love that which is lovely. In fact, it is wrong not to love that which is lovely. But Christ... Our God loved the unlovely. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now human love ought to be directed at the properly lovely objects. Even when we love sinners, even when we love our enemies, we are recognizing that there is the fact that God continues to love them in his common grace, and we want to imitate him, that although they have disfigured the image of God in them, they are not yet consigned to hell. And while there is life, there is hope, and we image God in desiring that they would not die, uh, but turn and uh, and be saved. Uh, in human love, we love all of the loveliness that is in any good thing. And we hate evil. And we hate the, that which is unlovely because we can't do anything about it. But so great is the love of God. So great in its compassion. That even though we have done so much to disfigure his image in ourselves, making us so unlovely, 
he continues yet to love us, but not just so great in its compassion, but so great in its ability that he, by his love, makes the object of his love lovely. And so by his love for us, when we were sinners and Christ dying for us, he actually takes away our sin. He makes us to be counted righteous in Jesus. And then he starts to conform us to Jesus, making us lovelier and lovelier. Uh, And we will continue to hear then um, the logic that goes out from verse 9. But we'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. If he loved us with that compassion and with that power to make us lovely when we were sinners, how much more will he continue loving us once he has begun making us lovely uh, in himself? And so the gospel is not a demonstration uh, of how we can be strong enough or righteous enough or good enough or lovely enough uh, to be savable. It's a demonstration of Christ's strength for those who are only unable. It is a demonstration of Christ's righteousness and goodness for those who are only unrighteous and evil. And it is a demonstration of Christ's love for the unlovely. So great is the love of God that is demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for... Uh, your good news, which is your power for salvation. We thank you that for us who are unable and unrighteous and unlovable, unlovely, that you have given Christ as the demonstration of your strength and the demonstration of your righteousness and goodness and the demonstration of your love. Help us, O God, to know your love to be confident in it, to rest upon it, to enjoy the sweetness of your love. Oh Lord, there are many things in life that we need to do better or say better or think better. We pray that you would give us first to know and receive this demonstration of your strength and goodness and love that your loving us first would produce our loving you in return. That your loving us would produce that love which provokes us to keep your commandments and not find them burdensome. Grant it, we pray, by your Spirit, who produces in us the fruit of love from our Savior, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen.